You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Isn't it a, isn't it a beautiful, beautiful spirit that's in here today? Boy, we need them. We need them. If we're, no matter what we face this week, the pros and cons, the, the, the blessing and the challenges that we face this week, I don't want to face it. I don't want to face them without him, without the Lord. Uh, I need him. I need him worse than the, the oxygen that I'm breathing. I need Christ. And uh, that's, that's the greatest part. When you, when, you're, when you get to a place that you acknowledge that need, you don't, look, you don't look for anywhere else. You go straight to him. Amen. Amen. Ryan, thank you so much. Uh, let's give a hand for Ryan, do, just bringing us into the presence of the Lord through song. I'm going to move this over here. That, that particular panel worries me. I, I was instructed that this slides, this one slides. So that would not be a pleasant uh, acrobatic trick for Dave to step onto that. Good morning once again. Uh, we're going to get into the Word of God. First, let me just say this. Uh, 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 even though we are talking about training a child, and we're still doing the, uh, doing the impossible series, even though we're talking about training a child, if you're here and you say, I don't have kids, or I'm an empty nester, or whatever, don't tune me out. I think the principles that we're going to talk today about uh, you can apply to your life, no matter where you are in life, whether you have kids, whether you are a grandparent, and thank God for grandparents. We need grandparents more than ever these days. Uh, but, or if you are, uh, you know, kind of done, done with all that, uh, you can still apply these principles to your life. Uh, and I think it would be a blessing. So don't, don't tune me out totally. Uh, one, one of the things that I enjoy the most, there, there are several things within the church work that I absolutely love. One is baptisms. And didn't we have an incredible time just a few weeks back? Cheryl, Andre, and, and Jay, thank you all so much for letting me be a part of that day. Uh, our first baptism. No, you can give them a hand clap. That's all right. Don't be afraid. I know everyone's like, oh, I'm in church. I need to kind of be quiet. Oh, no, no. They, no you're amongst family today. Uh, so, so uh, and, and let me say this, when it comes to uh, baptisms, you don't have to wait until we have another official baptism Sunday. If uh, the Lord moves on you and, and you, you make a fresh commitment in your life or a first-time commitment and you, you say, man, I, I want to get baptized. Just come to us. Come to us. That lake is not going anywhere, right? We're, so so we'll, we'll go down there and baptize. Uh, uh, even, even, if, even if we didn't change, bring a change of clothes, it'll wash. It's no big deal. You know, just we'll, we'll hop in the lake and baptize you. That, that, that's something I get excited about. Uh, another thing that I actually find, since we're talking about children today and, and training up a child, something that, that is dear, dear, dear to my heart is uh, baby dedications. I love uh, doing baby dedications, and, and that's something Paul and I chatted with uh, about, uh, and that's something that we want to offer. Uh, we, we've got uh, some young ones, some of you are expecting, we've got some newborns, we've got uh, uh, even, even uh, some, some children who are, who are starting to grow a little bit, but, but if you would like us to, to do a baby dedication, we would be honored to do that, and, and, and you can invite your family or friends or whatever, and we'd bring you down and pray over your child, pray over you as parents, and, and bless you, and of course you get a certificate for a keepsake to, to put uh, along with all the other stuff that you collect for their life and, and whatnot, but it's, it's just a precious, sacred time uh, just to, to publicly come and say, hey, I want to dedicate my child to the Lord. So we, we just want to offer you that, and there's, there's no pressure in that. Uh, if, if you've got, now if you've, you've got children, you say, man, I got an eight-year-old, and I never dedicated 
my child to the Lord. I've seen people come in, give their heart to the Lord, and bring their teenagers down and say, I never did. Trust me, this child needs to be dedicated to the Lord. You know? And so I've seen teenagers prayed over and dedicated to the Lord. So it doesn't, doesn't matter where, uh, where they are on their journey, uh, but we, we just want to offer that to you. Uh, we're going to read today. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there or you can wait for the slide. We're actually going to read today our, our core verse. It's going to come from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. We are talking about training up a child, training up a child. Uh, Proverbs says, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love how uh, the Passion Translation words it says dedicate your children to god and point them in the way they should go and the values they've learned from you will be with them for life uh, what an absolutely incredible promise now is this a promise saying that oh that you know my child will remain a christian all of their life no it's not, doesn't it's not promising that matter of fact when solomon penned these words there was no such thing as christianity at the time what it's saying is the very core principles that you put place into your child's life will stick with your child for all of their days doesn't doesn't mean that your child's not going to mess up doesn't mean that your child's not going to hit hit a roadblock not going to go through a valley in life, but there's something about truth and incredible values, values that we, that we pull from our Christian faith that's placed into our kid that keeps bringing that child back. I've seen, I've seen kids grow up, walk away from the Lord, and then all of a sudden when, when something cataclysmic happens in their life, and God will use whatever, he, whatever takes place within your life to draw you back in, but the first place they run is back home to the church or back home to their parents to, 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 for prayer, for prayer covering and whatnot. So, so there is, uh, there, there is this, this incredible truth of if you, if you place these values into your child's life, it's not going to leave them. They're not going to forget about them, okay? Okay. Uh, before we go on, I want to I want to I want to talk about this, and this this is for all of us who are in the middle of raising kids right now. To raise a child who is comfortable enough to leave means you've done your job. Well, because it's it's hard to let them go sometimes. They are not ours to keep, but to teach how to uh, how how to soar on their own. Uh, this thought hit me pretty pretty strong this week as I was preparing the greatest contribution to the kingdom of God your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do but it may be someone you raise let that sink in a little bit your greatest contribution to the kingdom of God may not be something you do but someone you raise uh, if you're if you're in the middle of raising kids right now and you're thinking, man, I would love to get more involved in, in ministry work and in, in the kingdom of God, but man, I've, I got this family I, I'm, I'm trying to raise. That's one of the greatest ministries you could do. You know, someone had to raise Billy Graham, didn't they? What, are, what, what, what some incredible parents. Someone, someone has to raise uh, great missionaries. Someone has to raise uh, great evangelists. Someone's got to do it. And it could just be us doing it. Uh, no matter how many sermons I've preached, no matter how many people I've been able to, to minister to, no matter how many folks I've gotten to baptize all throughout my years, uh, it could just be that the greatest part of my ministry are the two girls that I'm raising right now. That's pretty powerful. That's pretty powerful. And, and Julie and I are head deep <laughs> in child raising right now. 
Can I tell you all something about my girls? Both of them are out there. Can I tell you all something? Bodie, can I tell you something about my, my two little girls? They're killing me. <laughs> I got a 12-year-old about to go on 25. I got a 7-year-old about to go on Ridland. I mean, it's just that crazy, right? Howard, I need to talk to you about building some dormitories up at the school because I need me a school with some dormitories. So it, parenting is one of the hardest things I've ever done. Can we be honest? Parenting, say, are you complaining? No, I'm not. I wouldn't trade it for the world. I adore my daughters. My whole life is taken up with my daughters right now. I understand the time will come that they will, they, they will move on. And Julie and I will be empty nest. We're praying we will be empty nesters. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I know that time will be a little difficult at first to let them go. But, but, but at the same time, right now, I'm, I'm doing my best to just enjoy immersing myself into raising these two girls. And it's the hardest thing I've ever done. It, it is really difficult. It is challenging. And I'll be very honest with you. And parents, let, let me just, let's all be honest. Most days I'm sitting here thinking, am I doing this right? And there's been plenty of times Julie and I look at each other and say, are we messing these children up? And I think every parent has gone through that to some extent, you know, if you're going to be honest about it. I think every parent has actually gone through that and thought, man, what am I doing? And yet now all of a sudden we, got, we get to do the impossible. The Bible says, oh, by the way, train them up in the way they should go. Because when they, when they grow up, they're not going to depart from that. Really, that's ah, easier said than done, especially nowadays with all the influences out there, all the, the crazy information that's ready available uh, just by the Internet alone. Some of the conversations they had, Lily comes home and asks me questions because of things that she hears. She just finished the first grade. She's going into the second grade. Some of these topics I would have never even imagined having to think about when I was her age. And yet here she is kind of going, what, 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 and coming to me. And I'm, you know, and, and so I'm placed in this position of, all right, Lord, don't let me say the wrong thing. <laughs> Help me to be age appropriate. Help me to be you know, wise on this. And, and yet, how do we do this? How do we train a child? Uh, so this, this is a huge, huge subject because you can go to any bookstore uh, or any library or even any Christian bookstore. And there are volumes and volumes and volumes and whole sections on child raising of books and books and books and books and books. And yet we're going to try to consolidate this into the next uh, 20 minutes or so, which means I need to oversimplify things, which is fine because I am a simpleton. I need my brain to be simplified anyway, just so I can process. I was telling Daniel, I'm running DOS up here. You guys are on Windows and, 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 and anything else. I'm still running DOS up here, okay? And that prompt just blinks half the time, right? Uh the, the, the Jews had a very simple solution for this, of, of how, how, how do you pass on this faith? How do you pass on what you're supposed to pass on? Um, my family has a great track record of this. I hope I can keep it up. My, my grandparents were ministers. They passed on their faith to their children. My mom worked years and years and years in Sunday school teaching children. Uh, uh, my, my dad was a godly man. They passed on their faith to us. All three, you know, myself, my two siblings live for the Lord. The, uh, you know, my, all of my nieces and nephews have, have committed their, their life to the Lord and are living for God. Uh, Julie and I are doing our best to raise our kids in a, in a godly home. And, and hopefully while they're, when, when they reach adulthood, that this faith continues. And, and, and yet none of my family were theologians. None of them were uh, 
college educated, and yet they were still able to transfer their faith. And so in preparation for this, I've been like asking the Lord, okay, how, how has my family done that? How, how have they done that? How can I glean from it so that I can do it? And, and I, think, I, I think this is the, the basic core of it. Uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, starting with verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. We're going to stop right there for a second. That's called the Shema. If you ask a, a, a Jew, that's that, that declaration about the singularity of God, uh, the sovereignty of God, and the need for, for, for that truth to be in our heart daily uh, is called the Shema. And, and it's, it's something that they, that they would recite daily. Now, speaking of this, truth that was just spoken. He says, and these words which I command uh, you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, he's saying this simple truth about the singularity of God, uh, about the sovereignty of God, and about the need to worship him and him alone. And all the, that, that that entails, you're going to talk about it when you're sitting to eat dinner. You're going to talk about it when you go to bed. You're going to think about it when you wake up. When you're walking by the way, when you're out walking the trails, you're going to talk about this. In other words, you're going you're gonna to make it a part of your life. And you're going to diligently teach this truth to your kids. So, so what this basically is, it's this basic truth, the core principle to train a child, not just a child, but if, if you're going to train a disciple, if you're going to mentor someone, this is a core principle. And, and, and to consolidate everything into a basic statement, exemplify the correct way to live and then invite your children to participate in that lifestyle. It's more effective than any class you could ever send your child to. It's more effective than any uh, seminary you could, <laughs> you could send, your, send your kids off to. Not that there's anything wrong with any of that. But if you just live the right way and exemplify it and invite your kids to participate in that lifestyle, what an impact. I remember waking up in the middle of the night and hearing my mom pray. I, I remember vividly every time we sat down to eat, praying. I remember being prayed over on the first day of school every year. I remember being sick as a child and having medicine. Here, take this. And then when they laid me down, one of my parents would lay hands on me and pray over me. I remember seeing my mom study for the word of God to prepare for a Sunday school lesson. I, I remember seeing my parents reaching out to neighbors who were hurting and, and, and providing for needs. I remember hearing my dad counsel with employees of his or even friends of his, people stopping by the house, uh, marriages falling apart, and just, just hearing my dad's wise words to them and, and compassion. What were they doing? They were living out their faith. And the day came that they invited me. When I was old enough to comprehend, they would invite me. Hey, Dave, why don't you pray? Hey, we're about to go on this trip. Dave, why don't you go ahead and pray over the family? And when the time came, I knew how to pray. Why? Because I saw them do it. When the time came for me to start getting into the Word of God, I knew how to do it. Why? Because I saw them do it, and I heard them talk about it. 
So, so it's this simple, simple formula. If you want your children to, 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 to grow up in the way that they should go, it's going to be because they saw you exemplify it. Paul put it this way, the Apostle Paul. Uh, he simplified it. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He says, I want you to pattern your lives after me just as I pattern mine after Christ. It's, it's simple, but it's pretty effective, isn't it? So it's this whole simple principle, and, and we're about to put some truth into that principle here in a moment. But, but before we move on, it's a very simple principle. Follow me as I follow Christ. Now, there's, there's a, a condition on that. That means that you've got to be following Christ in order for your child to, to be getting the right direction. In other words, we, there's, there's got to be this incredible commitment on our part of not only am I just raising this child up, but I'm having to raise myself up in Christ. I'm having to make sure I'm doing the right things and, and, and seeking the Lord for myself so that as my child seeks the path that I'm on, it's going to be the right path. What an incredible responsibility on our part, uh, but very, very effective. So, so before we move on, everyone get that principle. That if, if you want your child to be trained in the right way, it's the best, most effective way is going to be exemplifying that way and then inviting the child to participate in that way. So that when the, when the child is on, on their own, it, it becomes a lifestyle. It becomes a training. But it doesn't mean that your child's not going to mess up. And it doesn't mean that your child's not going to get off pat, the path. That, that's the, the word train or discipline uh, there's a key term to that, that, that word discipline, and that's disciple. In other words, it's, it's an ongoing training. It's, it's lifelong. I still feel like I'm being trained in life and trained in the ways of the Lord. Uh, it's not something you just arrive at. You know, the Dallas Cowboys are off at training camp right now. These guys have been playing football since they were kids, and yet they're still having to train in this craft. It's just an ongoing thing. So it's lifelong. So, so uh, when, when do you get to graduate? When the Lord takes you home. So, so just buckle up. It's a long, it's a, it's a long trip, right? Uh, now, what does that look like? What does it look like to, to train a child? What does it look like to pattern something uh, so that your child can follow you, so that your child can be doing the right thing? Uh, what does it look like? Well, it looks like this. It, it's called creating a kingdom atmosphere. We want to create a kingdom atmosphere in our house and in our home and within our family. What is the kingdom? It's the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven isn't just about a cosmic city floating in the sweet by and by. The kingdom of heaven is actually within all of us as well. Uh, the Bible says the kingdom of heaven isn't about eating or drinking or, or rules and regulations about how to live, but the kingdom of heaven is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where does the Holy Spirit live? Anyway, yeah, th thank you, Hal. Right in here. So if righteousness, peace, and joy are in the Holy Spirit, and that's what the kingdom of heaven is, where is the kingdom of heaven? Right in here, right? Everyone, y'all all right? Everyone still with me? I know it's early. I know I've been gone three weeks. Somebody got baptized in pickle juice while I was gone, man. Y'all, come on. Everyone happy? Notify your face. Smile for me a little bit here. So, so the kingdom of heaven is right in here. So if it's in here, that means that my job is to manifest it out here, to, to get it from in here, out here. What am I trying to get out here? Righteousness. That word righteousness means rightedness. So we, I just want things to be right in my house. I want us to be thinking right. I want us to be doing right. I want us to be talking right. Peace. 
Woo, who needs some peace in your house? Peace. Joy. So what happens? How is that effective? Well, you create an atmosphere of the kingdom of heaven or rightedness, peace, and joy within your family, within your home. All of a sudden, your kids experience and encounter whatever out at school or out in the neighborhood or out with their friends, something that is not the kingdom of God, they're going to know. Where are they going to go? They're going to run back home eventually. Why? Because that's where the, ah, this is where I feel the kingdom. I'm getting back around my family. Why? Because this is where the kingdom of God is. So how do you do it? How do you exemplify the kingdom of God? Well, we're going we're gonna to swiftly consolidate this, okay? We're going to make some agreements with each other. We're going to make some agreements with ourselves. We're going to make some agreements with our children. Matter of fact, to create uh, a kingdom atmosphere, we need to make some agreements with ourselves and with our children. Why agreements? Because agreements are far more powerful than decisions. Say, well, I need to make some decisions in my house. No, you need to make some agreements. Why? Because a decision you can change. You can waffle on. You can change your mind. Uh, a, a, an agreement, Matthew 18, 19 says, again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. If you can agree on something, it's much more powerful. Do you realize that everything that you look at, every opinion that you have, every perception that you have is because you agreed with something? Whatever your political views are, it's because you heard someone say something, you observed something, and you agreed with it. And that's why people get so locked into, say, a political view. The, the way that you determine what food you like is because something you tasted agreed with you, and you agreed with it. Agreements are powerful. So if you can make an agreement, it is, it is going to become a lifestyle. So we're going to make four basic agreements with ourselves and with our children. And if we can conquer these four agreements, I guarantee you, you can manifest a kingdom atmosphere within your family circle, within your household. Does that sound, sound good enough? Matter of fact, these agreements are going to be so simple. Some of you are going to be insulted. You're going to say, you're insulting my intelligence, Dave. These are so simple. But if you actually try to apply them, they're a whole lot more difficult <laughs> to make a lifestyle. I still haven't mastered them all the time. The days that I do get it right, man, what a wonderful, peaceful world I get to live in. The days, that, the days that I ignore them, yeah, everything kind of falls back apart as usual. So if we can, if we can master these agreements, y'all ready? Four agreements. Four agreements that will help manifest the kingdom of God, that will help exemplify the right way for a child. Because, man, if we can master these and we can get, these, get our kids to master them by the time they're adults, man, what, what an incredible advantage they're going to have in life. All right, you ready? First agreement. I will be impeccable with my word. I will be impeccable with my word. Psalm 1914 says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I will be impeccable with my word. Why are we using that word impeccable? It's a Latin, it comes from a Latin word, picare. Picare means sin. If you put an I-M or an M in front of it, M picare, it means without sin. The most common translation in the Greek for sin means to miss the mark. See, in, in church circles, we get really religious and say, that man's got sin in his life. Sin is sin, sin. Well, what, what the Bible's trying to say is he's missing the mark. Calm down. <laughs> he's missing the mark. The Lord's going to get him right. He's going to start hitting the target again. How many times have we missed the mark with our words? 
How many times do we create more bad with what we say because we are just, everything that we're saying is either putting ourselves down, putting someone else down, mouthing off about this, mouthing off about things that we have no clue about. But if you can wake up in the morning with this kind of meditation, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable of you, Lord. Let my words be impeccable. Today I choose and I agree with myself to not let my words be with sin. My words are going to be without sin. Man, think about how not only peaceful would it be in your life, but how peaceful would it be for your kids if your kids could actually master this, to be impeccable with their words, that their words would be without sin, not harming, not missing the mark, that what they say is, is, is true, what they say is, is, is solid. But the only way they're going to get this is if we exemplify it, right? All right. Agreement number two, ready for this? Don't take anything personal. Don't take anything personal. Matter of fact, one of the greatest examples was Jesus hanging on the cross. Luke chapter 23, verse 34, then Jesus said to them, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. This man is actually being crucified. He's got insults being hurled at him. All he's done for three years is, is bless folk, heal the blind, heal the, heal the lame, preach truth, set people free, cast out demons, multiply fishes and loaves. All he's done is just rock the world and turn it upside down. And now he's being crucified. And what does he say? Father, just forgive them because they don't even know what they're doing. He didn't take it personal. He understood. <laughs> they were clueless. So do you realize that any reaction that you receive, whether positive or negative, has nothing to do with you? but it has everything to do with that person and every agreement that they've ever made. So if you come to me after service today and say, That's, that was a wonderful message. I can't really get too high on myself. Why? Because it really has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with where you are right now. Or if you come to me and say, that was the worst message and you preached too long, I'll be glad when Paul gets back. Well, I can't take that personal either. Why? Because that has everything to do with where you are. All I can do is control and be responsible for my own actions. I have absolutely no control over your actions or your reactions to me. Right? How freeing and liberating would that be for our children? Especially, I've got a child heading into junior high right now. Y'all pray for me. Pray hard. I've got a child heading into junior high. Man, you know what junior high stands for, right? That's like Latin for drama, right? Man, and, and that's something that I've been preaching to Sophie. I was like, look, don't take anything personal. All the drama you see around, I always tell her, don't eat the cheese. There's a lot of cheesiness. Don't eat the cheese. You're going to get sucked into the drama. In other words, don't take anything personal. Why? Because you are only responsible for where you're at and the agreements that you make, how people respond to you, whether favorably or bad. It's, it's, it's up to them. What a, what a powerful agreement to make, you know? And Christ was the ultimate example of that on the cross. Everyone good? Everyone got that down? Shall we move on? Good. Everyone nod your head? All right. All right. Very good. Next agreement. Don't make assumptions. Don't make say I got a big old long scripture up here, and we're going to explain it. So bear with me. So I'll kind of read it. No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, 
so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. It's 1 Corinthians 2, 11, 12. Say, what in the world does that have to do with anything? Well, I'll explain it. So, so according to the scripture, only you can know your thoughts. Only your spirit can know your true thoughts and your intents, right? So, so only Howard, I, can, I can't sit here and know Howard's thoughts. Only Howard's spirit knows that thought. Now, we've been given God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, which means that we can actually know God's thoughts. What a wonderful blessing that we have the ability to know what God's thinking, to know what God's up to, and to be able to converse with God, know God's intentions and desires for our life, and, and that's how he directs us and steers us. However, I have not been given the spirit of Howard, so I honestly don't know what Howard is thinking on things. In order to know what Howard's intentions and thoughts and plans are, I need to go talk to him and find out straight from him. Otherwise, I'm making an assumption. How many, how many times have you just caused yourself a world of grief and drama because you made an assumption because of a response by someone or a word by someone, and so you've lost sleep? You've, how, how many times have you ever gotten into an argument? Anyone ever done this? That you have gotten into a major argument with someone and you've never even spoken to that person. You know what I'm talking about? You've sat there and you've thought in your head, I can't believe they said that to me. And you know what? If they were here in front of me, I would say this to them. And then they would probably respond this way. And then I'm going to say this back. And all of a sudden, within your head, you've spent 20 minutes having this knock, knockout, dragout argument with this person. And what happens? You're actually in a bad mood. And you're feeling bad about it. And then you're going to go binge on Ben and Jerry's or whatever and then feel guilty about that. And then you're going to just spend all night just feeling horrible about yourself. You know, look at me. I just put on five pounds and I haven't even had the pleasure of arguing with this person in real life. Why? Because you made an assumption. And, and that's dangerous territory. You cause yourself a world of drama and pain. How many times have you seen your kids just make an assumption about something and get upset about it? And you say, well, did you go talk to the person about it? No. That teacher hates me. Why? Because she, she looked at me like this. She was probably looking to the whole class like that. You know, it's just a, you know, don't make assumptions. Don't make assumptions. We've not been given each other's spirit. In order for me to know exactly what you're thinking, I need to go to you. I had to do that this week. I've been, I was hearing all kind of crazy reports of this and that and whatever, and I had to go to somebody and say, hey, exactly what was said. You were there. Exactly what was said. I didn't want to make an assumption. I didn't want to lose sleep. I didn't want to get all upset. And once, once revelation was, was given to me, I went, oh, okay, yeah, well, we're good. Saved myself a world of drama, you know? So that's uh, number three, don't make assumptions. Man, in order for our kids to get this, they're going to have to see it exemplified in us. Last one. Look at your neighbor and say, finally, last one. All right, who actually did that? <laughs> <laughs> say, Dave, this is insulting. Because we've been told this since we were kids. No, actually, there's a great truth in this. Always do your best. Always, always, always do your best. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. Always do your best. Yeah, we know that, Dave. No, 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 you, you have to understand. Your best varies from hour to hour, from day to day, from moment to moment. Some days you are, some days you are Superman, Superwoman. Other days you are, you are the offspring of a sloth, you know? It's just, but what, wherever you are right now, 
give it everything you got. And it may not be as good as what it was yesterday. It may, it may not even be as good as what you're going to deliver tomorrow. But if it's the best that you can do right now with what you have right here, right now, what a world of peace you have when you lie down at night. Knowing that in every moment of this day, I did the best I could at that moment. If I could go back in time, I could probably do it better. But when I was there in that moment, that was the best I could do. And if my kids could get that truth, look, I know every day you're not going to be on target at school, but just give it your best. Just do the best you can. I know sometimes tests at school are crazy, but just, just do the best you can. You prepared the best you could, just do the best you can. One of my favorite phrases is do your best and forget the rest. But if we can make these four agreements, say, you know, in, in, in order for my child to, to be trained up right, the best way to do it is for me to exemplify a way of living and then invite them to be part of that living. Well, how can I exemplify that way of living? If we could just do these four agreements, I guarantee you every command in the Bible could be fulfilled within these four agreements. Every, every ounce of righteousness that God has for us to live could be lived within these four agreements. As simple as it is, and if we could learn to exemplify these four agreements, how incredible would it be for our children to be able to grow up and be impeccable with their word, to not take anything personal, to never make assumptions, and to always do their best. Man, if my, kid, if my girls could grow up walking with the Lord just doing those simple things, oh, man, I'd be a, I feel like I actually achieved something. You know? My wife may actually take me to dinner. Faith has hope. There's great hope in faith. <laughs> Amen. Let's all stand. Ryan, can you come play something slow and sad for me? That's always a that's always the best way to end a sermon. Hallelujah. I would love an opportunity to pray with with anyone. If you need prayer today, uh, we don't have a whole lot of room up here, so we got a prayer corner. We send you to the corner for prayer. Uh, uh, but but that will. Uh, man, I would love an opportunity to pray for you, or if, if, if you feel moved upon that you would like to pray for someone as well, come back there and join me. Uh, as Ryan, he's going he's gonna to lead us in one last song, and let's just glorify the Lord one last time together as, before we go out and uh, hit this week and, and sh have church. This is really just a pep rally. Really, we're supposed to have church every single day with our neighbors and folks on the job and everything else. That's really what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, but, but if you would like prayer for anything, uh, join me back there. If you're back, if you're saying, look, I'm in the middle of parenthood and I need prayer, join me back there. I would love a chance to pray for you, uh, no matter what the need is. Uh, let's, let's just all bow our heads and pray together. Father, I thank you for your word because I know your word doesn't return void. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you just minister individually to each and every person here according to their individual need, uh, whatever needed to be delivered today. Father, we love you. Be with us this week. Help us to be Jesus for someone to reflect his love to each and every person that we come into contact with. Help us to be Jesus for someone that needs to know him this week. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.